Good morning, Glory City Church, Melbourne. Hope you guys are doing well. Um, great to see you this morning. Uh, I'm just gonna just gonna wait for a few people to jump on, and uh, and then we're gonna pray, and we're gonna get straight into the Word. Uh, and um, <clears throat> we've got a bit of a different morning for you this morning. We've uh, we've we've uh, we're just gonna get into the into the message. Uh, we're encouraging you to take some time this morning to meditate, to um, pray, to worship uh, in your lounge room. Uh, I heard a, a great uh, analogy. Uh, morning, Jonathan. How you doing? Let me know. Hey, if, you, if can you hear me? All right, give me the thumbs up if you can hear me. Okay, I've got my little my little earpiece in, so um, hopefully that that helps with the uh, with the volume and everything like that. So. Uh, if you could let me know if everything's good, that would be awesome because I am the only one here this morning. <laughs> um, so that's cool. Uh, but I heard this great picture. Morning, Danny. How are you, mate? Uh, if one of you can just give me the give me the thumbs up on on if you can hear me okay, that would be that would be awesome. Um, make sure we've we've got that uh, got the sound. Yep, we're good. Good to go. All right. Uh, I heard this great picture uh, around hearing you loud and clearly. Bless you, bro. Great. Awesome. Miss you all. Miss you so much. Um, I heard this great picture uh, analogy of the church in this season right now. Uh, thanks to Lise. Morning, Scotty. And the picture was this, is that good chess players learn to play chess without their queen. And they learn to play without their queen because the queen's one of the most valuable pieces on the, on the, um, on the board. Obviously the king's the most valuable, but the queen you know, can move in, in a whole bunch of different directions. <clears throat> and in this season, the church as a global uh, is learning to play chess without its queen. Now it's queen being the Sunday morning expression. And you know, if you, you become a good chess player when you learn to play uh, without the queen because all the other pieces start to come into play and they start to be uh, used in ways that maybe you don't use them before because of you're so reliant on the queen. Now, the queen's not evil, the queen's not bad, the queen's not wrong, um, but the, we, we can't just rely on the queen. And that's what this is really... Uh, this COVID, this season that we're in, has forced the church to do is not just rely on a Sunday morning. Now I have a huge value for the Sunday morning. I have a, uh, I love corporate worship. I love the teaching of the word. Um, I love all of that stuff. I just love gathering together in one as one body. <clears throat> but this is a season where the body of Christ cannot rely just on the Sunday morning. That they have, we have to. Um, we have to learn to worship and strengthen ourselves in the Lord in our own homes. We have to put on worship music and give adoration unto the Lord uh, in our own homes, in our own ways. Um, yes, we've got our Zoom groups. Yes, we've got our different connect groups and things like that. But I would just encourage you in this season, use this six weeks as an opportunity to strengthen yourself in the Lord and to not rely on the Sunday morning. Uh, while it's good, the queen's good, so to speak, the bride, the queen, the queen is a good, um, 
a good thing. Morning, Sammy. Morning, Ben. We've got the old Bradhurst clan on here. And, um, and so I'd encourage us, but let's use this time to learn to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Learn to start to um, see how can, I, how can I serve my community, my people, my family, whatever it is that I have access to right now. And, um, and, and be a server and be a giver in this way, not just, you know, not just a consumer that comes to church, ticks the church, church box, and then we go home, which I, I just, I'm preaching to the choir with, with our, my own people, our own people. So, um, <clears throat> cool. Well, we're going to jump straight in. We're going to finish up our series. Maybe I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of stuff here that I, that I want to get through this morning, but, um, we, we've been doing a series on the Bible. I, I men, messy, mentioned, sorry, three weeks ago about how we got the Bible, just some real basic history um, of, of how we came to have this beautiful book called the Bible. I've got my Allen, my Allen ESV Strong's Bible here. Oh, not Strong's, but it's, it's, it still smells divine. <clears throat> and, um, and then I spoke on covenants uh, which I'd encourage you to go back and actually listen to the progression of this uh, season uh, series if you've just jumped in. And then Jalil spoke uh, so well last week on uh, Jesus in the Old Testament and how you know Jesus has fulfilled numerous prophecies and uh, numerous uh, all of the prophecies that were talked about and or nearly all the prophecies that were talked about of his coming anyway. Um, and and he's just you know he's just made it so abundantly clear. That he is the Messiah. So Jalil did a great job of that. And this morning we're going to talk about how we can, how we read the scriptures now that we've become new creations, that we're righteous in Him, and how we read scripture through the lens of righteousness, because it's it's uh, it is important that we have an understanding of how we read our how we read our Bible, how we interpret scripture through the right lens. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got a. <clears throat> bit of muesli or something stuck in my throat. <clears throat> All right, well, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to grab them. And, um, you know, most people think that the, the Bible, the New Covenant, sorry, starts uh, in Matthew 1. And uh, the New Testament starts in Matthew 1, but, but Jesus actually came in the old covenant or in the old he came in the mosaic covenant and and so he he fulfilled that he um fulfilled the law and the prophets and the new the new covenant began uh at his death and his resurrection really began at his resurrection and and then we see the birth of the new covenant uh, in acts the birth of the church, the birth of his bride. And so when we're reading certain portions of scripture in the Old uh, Testament, Charlie giggled about the muesli, that'll be. Um, I don't mind a bit of interaction this morning, it's good. It makes me feel like there's people in the room. Uh, when we read the, oh, the New Testament, sorry, when we read the New Covenant, we have to read it through now the lens of we're not trying now to 
become something to get something so we can become something we've become something so we read scripture to understand who we've become so it's no longer a question of well those things i might get one day no it's a question of i have those things how do i learn to access them how do i learn to grow in maturity in the lord and how do i learn to um you know become intimate with the lord so i can increase his kingdom on planet earth and if we go to uh, one of the most I think famous verses for equipping in the New Testament, and this will kind of frame up our 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 platform or where we go this morning, is 2 Timothy 3 verse 15. So if you've got your Bibles, turn there. 2, 2 Timothy 3 verse 15. And it says this, <clears throat> And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. This is Paul writing to Timothy, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That the man of God, listen to this, that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work morning kim morning lisa i'll read that again all scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work wow all scripture I just love the fact that we have a Bible. You know, it's, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but he breathed on this book. He brought the scriptures to life so you and I can have a book that we can read and understand. Hmm. We must make sure that we read scripture through the right lens. Otherwise, it's, it's like... It's like trying to it's like trying to run a car without the right fuel I don't know if anyone's ever put uh, you know diesel in a in a petrol car or petrol in a diesel car it, it just doesn't go well <laughs> and and for so long we've we've read um, we've read the scriptures I believe sometimes through a wrong lens and it actually it actually starts to distort we have we have a little bit of law mixed with a little bit of grace we have a little bit of faith mixed with a little bit of works and it, it's like actually reading the things through the right covenant and reading things through the right lens it's not a it's not a question of inspiration it's not a question of is this is this the the um inspired word of god it's 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 not a question of that it's a question of the covenant that we are reading in right now, which covenant are we in? And we're in the, the new covenant. We're in a new covenant. And we've got to be careful because if we're not careful, what we tend to do is we start to pull verses out of, the, out of Scripture, out of context, and we start to just go, well, I like that verse or I don't like that verse. And so I'm not going to... And it's like, actually, we need to find context. That's important. And we need to understand what covenant that, that the writers are talking about. I mean, if we don't have... If we don't have the epistles, then we don't have a full picture of our new nature in Christ. 
I mean, that didn't come until after Jesus resurrected, where Paul started to articulate, hey, now you've been circumcised with a circumcision made out of, you know, the, in the spirit. You're, you're, you're no longer a slave to sin, you're a slave to righteousness. We don't have verses like that. We don't have verses like, we are a new creation in Christ, the old is gone, the, the, old is, uh, gone, the new has come. We don't have verses like, we are more than conquerors. We don't have verses like that if we don't have the epistles that we get to read through the lens of the new covenant through. And so a big thing to ask is when Jesus, especially Jesus, um, when he was speaking and when he was on planet Earth, he was, he was you know, the law is not bad, but he was making sure that the law, um, that people that he was preaching to, they knew their need for a saviour. You know, he says, you search the scriptures in John 5. He says, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. But these testify about me. All the scripture points to Christ. So I want to start with one verse, with another verse. It's 1 John 4, verse 17. And it says this, as he is, so are you, or so are we in this world. 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so you are in this world, right? So now when we read scripture, are we reading it through, is it telling us who we are or is it telling us who we're not? Because if it's telling us who we're not, then we'll continually try to measure up to standard and we'll never achieve it. Why? Because we cannot achieve it out of our own strength and out of our own good works. I'm not against good works. I'm not against doing all of those things. But what I'm saying is, are we doing those things to become something? Or do we actually start to realize, hang on, he's provided everything I need for life and godliness. All scripture can be breathed and used for correction, for reproof, for edification, so that I can be trained in righteousness. So what's it telling me? How do I keep myself blameless for the day of judgment? How do I keep myself blameless out of righteousness, holy, sanctified? How do I do those things? Why? Because I've become them now. And so when I look into this, this book, I start to see, oh, wow, I can do all things through Christ. Okay, do I believe it? Because in the gospel, in the gospel, it's, it's not perceiving. Perceiving doesn't bring about belief. It's I believe and then I turn to the Lord and then I perceive. Right? Faith is I see it and then it manifests, right? So faith actualizes, this is a Bill Johnson quote, faith actualizes what it realizes. So faith brings into reality what it can see. It doesn't wait to be, it doesn't wait to see it and then believe. Belief comes first in the kingdom of God and then comes the outworking, whether it's behavior, whether it's a miracle, whatever it is, whatever situation you find yourself in, but belief comes first. And so often we're navel gazing, we're looking inward, we're looking at, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not this yet. You read something in scripture. I did this for years where I was like, man, I read that. I'm like, man, how can I, how the heck can I measure up to that? And then I started to realize, hang on, He's actually given me everything I need. He's actually given me every tool and he wants to train me and equip me to work out what he's provided by faith, right? Man, this is powerful, all right? I'm gonna give you an example. This set, this set me free. So Matthew 5, turn to Matthew 5, right? Because as he is, so you are in this world. So a friend of ours once said, he said, if you can't say it about yourself, if, sorry, if you can't say it about Jesus, 
then you don't have the right to say it about yourself or other people. I'm going to say that again. If you can't say it about Jesus, then you don't have the right to say it about yourself or other people. <laughs> Why? Because we're made in his image and we're made in his likeness. So we're not reading this now to judge and throw stones. Well, I'm more holy than you. No, no. The only difference between a believer and a non-believer is that somewhere along the timeline of history, I gave my life to Jesus as my Lord and my Savior, and they haven't, but they're still created in the image of God. I'm not saying they're a saint, but I'm saying that they're still created in the image of God. And Jesus made it very clear. He, he, he is without sin, cast the first stone. Well, I've sinned. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory, Romans 3. What, what's my point? My point is the, the outcome is the glory. Good name for a church. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. Right? All. So that means all have been given the opportunity to come into right relationship with God. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation, not counting people's trespasses against them. So if, I, if I, I'm now looking at people the way that Jesus can, that's not arrogance, it's confidence. I now get to look at people the way that Jesus looks at people. Why? Because as he is, so am I in this world. And I'm learning through reading of the scriptures, through partnering with the Holy Spirit. You know, someone said, what's the best version of the Bible? I should, uh, which version of the Bible should I read? I think it was Smith Wigglesworth. And he said, you should always read the Bible with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and it's true. That's how we should read. That's the lens on which we should read the scriptures through. That's the fuel. The Holy Spirit becomes the fuel for the vehicle that, and how we can interpret it and, and read it in the right manner. Right? Ah. <sighs> Okay, Matthew 5, we know this, the Beatitudes, right? You know, uh, I'm going to go down, salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in who is in heaven. What's the point? The first bit is you are a light. And set in, you are a light, a city set on a hill. You are salt. If we don't believe we're salt and we're trying to get salt, what do we do? We hide our light under a basket. All right, go down to lust. Verse 27 of Matthew 5 says this, You have heard that it was said, You should not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery within his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. 
And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole, whole body going to hell. Now, hopefully no one's plucked out their eye or cut off their hand, but I'm sure people have sinned. <clears throat> What's my point? My point is Jesus here is making it clear. You've heard it say. What's he talking about? The law. You've heard it say, Mosaic law. Listen, but I say. What's the point? He ups the standard. It's like if my daughters come to me and they said, hey, Liam, um, you know, they're 18 and they say, hey, I want to go out. We're going to do some bad, you know, we want to go, we want to go drink, whatever, we, you know, we want to get drunk. We want to do all these, you know, not so good stuff. And I say, well, look, listen, I, you, you can go out, but you need to be home by 11. But, but my, my, my standard is that you wouldn't go do those things. But I want to keep relationship with you. So I'm just going to say, hey, be home by 11, three drinks, whatever, you know. Mosaic law said, Jesus says, what, what's, he, what's he doing? He's ups the standard. If we go to Romans 5, this will make sense. And I'll, 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 I'll uh, unpack this in a second. But if you go to Romans 5, uh, it says this. But the free... Uh, For, for if because of one man's trespass, verse 17, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through the one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, who's that Adam? The many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, obedience the many um, will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass. So what did the law do? The law made people realise we need a saviour. We need an atonement for sin. We need a victory over the nature of sin which Jesus provided on the cross. But the law made people like flip. You know, Abraham was considered righteous. Mary, uh, um, Elizabeth, they, that says, Paul says he kept the law. Right? The law wasn't impossible to keep, but it just wasn't, it didn't change the inward man. There's, there's about three or four times in scripture that it says that they kept the law. Abraham, I think, is one. Paul's one. Um, Elizabeth and Zechariah were one. Right? And so here, Paul is saying the law increased sin. When law came in, sin abound. But where sin abound, grace abound all the more. What's my point with uh, Matthew 5 and Romans 5? My point is I spent... I spent looking at scripture going, man, even if I look at a woman in lust, man, I've committed adultery in my heart. And I, like as an early believer, I'm like, man, even if I have anger and hatred against my brother, I'm like, man, this is going to be a hard life, right? But now turn with me to James 1, right? Because I'm like, man, how, who can, who can do this? You know, I'm just, the way that a man thinks in his heart, so is he, right? And so I, I started to think, man, this is just a lot I've got in life. You know, I even got told, oh, well, you're just a, a bloke. This is the, the burden you've got to bear as a man. You know, you just, you know, men uh, have sinful eyes and they can't, 
You know, they can't. And I, I believe that, right? Because belief determines my behavior. The leaf, belief, the way we read scripture, determines how I walk this thing out. Um, hmm. So much to go. So much to go through. All right, verse, um, let's start at verse 19. James 1, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of a man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, right, what are we talking about? The word. Be doers of the word, be hearers of the word, right? Um, verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he is like. Wow. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, the law of freedom, and preserves being not a hearer, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Wow. What's the point? If anyone is a hearer of the word, what's the word of God like? It's like a mirror that we intently look at, right? And we see who we've become and then we walk away and act it out. But what we don't do is walk away and forget. <laughs> wow. This is uh, not in my notes, but um, if you go to... Peter 1 verse 9 it says this for whoever lacks these qualities uh, is so nearsighted that he is blind having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins right forgotten that we look into the mirror and we don't walk away and forget and I'm going to just illustrate a bit of a, a passage here that will hopefully help with the interpretation of scripture and give you an understanding so Luke 10 verse 35 Luke 10 35 and then we'll, we'll I've got a few things I want to get you know to share with you but Luke 10 verse 35 because this is quoted often out of context and this is just a good one to go through and do a little bit of a Bible study on Luke 10 verse 35 if I said what is the greatest commandment that Jesus uh, says he people often quote this and don't don't beat yourself up if you've done this. Uh, verse 25 it is. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? Right? What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. Now people say, well, that's the greatest commandment. 
Yeah, it is in the law. It's the greatest commandment in the law. Hmm. But if we go to John 13, we go to John 13, 34. So this is where interpretation, context, covenant. A new commandment I give to you. Verse 34, John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. And 1 John, John talks about it again. He says, this is not a new commandment now that you've, that you've heard previously, that you would love one another. Right? So the greatest commandment is this, that we would love one another as he has loved us. How did he love us? He laid his life down for us. He died for us. So when we're reading scripture, when we're reading things through the lens of the, where Jesus might be talking to the old, he might be uh, saying, hey, this is, this is the, we're in the old covenant now, but we've got, to, we've got to read it through the lens of the new covenant. It's not that we throw it away. No, it's that we read it now. So going back to Matthew 5 and Romans 5, where, sin, where the law came in, sin increased. So now Matthew 5, for me, started because I'm like, hang on, I've been given everything I need for life and godliness. I can love people just as Christ loved people. So hang on, he, as he is, so am I in this world, right? I get to look in a mirror and see who I've become because as he is, so am I. And I can now look at women with purity. I can now look at men, my brothers, and not judge them and not have anger in my heart. They've done me wrong. Oh, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know who they are. Ah, they don't know who they are. They don't have an understanding of their identity as a son or a daughter of God. Oh, but they wronged me, Liam. You don't understand. Yeah, no, I do. I don't understand your circumstance, but you don't understand what he went through to get you right in right standing with him. Why? So you cannot count people's trespasses against them. <laughs> right? So you can look at people with the liberty of the law of liberty, the law of freedom. That you can actually now read scripture and go, oh my goodness, I get to believe that I am more than a conqueror. I get to believe that I have everything I need. I get to believe that I can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. I get to believe that I can conquer all, I can conquer all things. I get to believe that greater works will I do when I go to be with the Father. I get to believe that I'll also be persecuted for his name's sake. You get that one in there too, right? So all of these things, when we read them through the right lens, we're not trying to get them to become something. We've got them so we can walk them out because we're looking at the mirror and it's reflecting back Christ. Jesus Christ is the truth about God. It's been made clear. And if you go back to my message on covenants, the, the issue has been settled. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory. And now the glory of God has been revealed. Jesus says in John 17, he says, the same glory that you've given me, I give to them. Oh man, this is profound. Why? Because now we have, we have the spirit of God that can actually, uh, we have context that we can read the lens of the scriptures through. All scripture, it says, is, is profitable. That's all scripture. That's the Old Testament too. It doesn't mean all of the Old Testament we get to do. 
people like, oh, we, everything's applicable. No, you're not killing Canaanites anymore. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's like, you're not, you're not, you know, the Amorites, you're not, you're not wiping them out. <laughs> That's not applicable to you, right? Hmm. We're in a new age. We're in the age of the kingdom. We're in the apostolic age. The apostolic meaning the, the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. It's in Ephesians 2. The apostolic age is not something new. People think it's some new thing. It's, it's not a new thing. It's been around for a long time that the church would be equipped with the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. This is not something new, but we are in a new covenant. And you and I, we get to, um, the, the word apostle comes from the Roman uh, days where an, a martyr of ships would come into a town and they would teach that town how to live like Rome. Instead of conquering and killing them, they would bring in their culture, their arts, their, uh, their ways of thinking, their ways of doing things. And Jesus plucked that word out of secular society and he said to these 12, he says, you are my apostles. What was he saying? He was saying he was fulfilling the Matthew 6 prayer of your kingdom come, your will be done. He was saying, I want you to know what my world is like so you can bring it to that one. We're in a new age called the kingdom age. And we're not supposed to reflect the world around us. We're supposed to, we're supposed to let the river of God that's within us flow out so it touches the world around us. Not so we can conquer and rule, but so we can serve humanity in a way that it benefits the planet. And, you know, we're not here to build our church. We're here to build the, extend the kingdom of God. We are here to equip and train to send out warriors. And I really believe that it's time, not just warriors in, from an army sense, but warriors in a sons and daughters sense that we're sons and daughters of God that know who our Father is, that we represent, that we represent His world to a world around us. And if we don't have an understanding of reading through the right lens of Scripture, that we read something and we're like, oh, well, I can't, I can't do that because that's not who I am, as opposed to, that's who I am. Now I, can, I actually can believe that I can look at women in, in purity. I actually believe that I have a holy heart and I'm compatible with God. Father, show me who I am. Show me who I've become so I can represent you well. What happens is it goes from looking inward and navel gazing to, to looking at the face of God and reflecting that back and that's who I've become because as he is, so am I in this world. Right, And I'm representing God. I'm a little Christian. I'm a little Jesus to the world around it. I'm not saying I am God or Christ, but I have Christ in me. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And I start to believe these things because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I start to believe these things and then fruit starts to manifest. Why? Because I'm abiding in the vine. I'm abiding in the branch. I'm abiding in the word. Whoa. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Jesus. 
Jesus modeled this in the garden when he, he came up out of the water and he says, God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. It's one of my favorite passages in the scriptures because it's got, you've got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. The dove comes down, it descends, and it remains on his shoulder. And Jesus walks out into the uh, wilderness for 40 days and the devil tries to trick him with truth out of context. Come on, church. <laughs> I'm getting passionate here. There's no one in this room but me and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and I'm getting fired up. But it's true because why? So many Christians right now are deceived because the devil's taken truth out of context and he's twisting things so they can, they're distorted and there's this civil war going on with Christians. And there's Christians right now that are fighting other Christians, right, rather than looking to heaven and looking to the kingdom and saying, this is who I've become, and going out there and preaching the kingdom. Man, I pray, there's, I pray for every church right now in this city, in this region, right now in the planet. And I might not agree with every single doctrine that they have, but I'm praying right now that the Spirit of God would, would manifest in their churches, that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, there's a, been a prophecy about a billion soul harvest, and I'm believing that the church would stop civil war fighting going on, start to lock arms, Focus on the kingdom advancing and let's get this thing on, right? I'm, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go after this this morning a little bit because I love my... Do I agree with everything of, that, of the church down the road or the church in the city or wherever it is? No, I, I don't. Maybe I don't. Do they have it all right? No. Do we have it all, all correctly? I don't, I'm, don't think so. I'm not sure. We're growing. But I know this. The church down the road loves Jesus. They preach him dead and crucified and resurrected. They preach that the word of God is the, is the inspired word of God. They preach the only way to salvation is Jesus. They preach there's a heaven and there's a hell. I can agree with those things. Do I agree with everything? Maybe they have a different view of the Holy Spirit. Maybe they have a different view on gifts for today. Do you know what? They're my brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, what about the prostitute down the road, Liam? They deserve to be judged, yeah, but guess what? The judgment got taken upon them by Jesus. He paid the penalty for sin. And it's not our right to throw stones because we've, as he is, so we are in this world and we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. And we don't get to sit here and go, well, I'm holy and, you know, uh, my interpretation of scripture is this. And so, you know, I just, I interpret it like that and there is no hell, you know, and now I don't even know if the Bible's the inspired word of God. And, you know, da-da-da-da-da. It's like, oh, Dear Lord, please, let's not go down that rabbit trail. Those are lofty, mighty things that, you know, that, uh, oh, I'm losing my train of thought. That, you know, Paul said in 1 Timothy, he said, Do not give yourselves to myths and endless genealogies which promote speculation rather than stewardship, which is by faith. Do not give yourselves to these things ideologies which are human reasonings which are ways that seem right to a man but they lead to death political correctness ways that seem right to a man now i'm not talking about being irrational and stupid but i'm talking about it's time that we believe this book and what it says about us through the right lens about what God says about me versus what the world says about me and that we preach truth in love. Because the devil 
took scripture out of context and tried to manipulate Jesus to get him to bow down and worship him. And we've got to be careful that we do not take scripture out of context to make it say something to make ourselves feel comfortable. Jesus is the truth about God and Jesus is the truth about us. The mystery has been settled. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. The hope of the glory of God manifesting on earth is inside of every single believer. Every single believer. I have a problem when people say, well, Liam, it's, you know, we've got to have our, I'm not against good doctrine. I love theology. If you don't know that about me, I love having things uh, in order, line upon line, precept upon precept. And we're going to continue to grow in, in that revelation of Jesus. And I hope we do. But I'm telling you right now, the man on the cross next to Jesus didn't have perfect theology. Yet Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Peter and Paul had differentiating views at times. Timothy, Mark, Barnabas, Paul. They all had, they had moments in their life where they differentiated on their views. I know I've, I've rabbit-trailed. I know, I know I've rabbit-trailed, but I feel the Lord on it. But what they were able to do was they were able to honour, they were able to respect, they were able to talk about it in a healthy way. They were able to bring correction and love in a way that says, hey, I'm not sure about that. Look at this verse. Let's bring some context and let's bring some covenant. And then let's lock arms again and get this thing on. Jesus is for you. He's not against you. He loves you. He likes you. He's so good. You can't exaggerate his goodness. Everything we need. If I purchase a credit card, I've paid for it. Say I put a million dollars on a credit card. I've purchased it. My name's on the card. And I hand it to my daughter. She has every right to tap away and access. Who purchased it? I did. But what if she puts that credit card in her back pocket? She says, you know what? I just don't have enough money. You know what? I, I, I'm sick right now and I, 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 can't, I can't pay for the doctors or I, I can't believe for the doctors to heal me. You know what? I, I need this right now. And I, I can't, I can't provide. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not whatever enough. But when we look through the right lens and we start to read the scriptures through the lens of righteousness, we start to realize that the credit card has been purchased by Jesus. We have to believe that we have it by faith. That we have everything we need for life and godliness. That he's our provider, he's our Jehovah Rapha, that he's our healer. I'm not saying don't go to the doctors, but, uh, but he's our healer. He said heal the sick. He said raise the dead. 
He said, cleanse lepers. Maybe we haven't seen the full manifestation of the kingdom. Maybe we haven't seen the waters rise up because we haven't be we've believed to a certain level and it's time to believe for something greater. Because he said, greater works will you do. Oh, that just means more works, Liam. No, it doesn't. Read your Bible. It doesn't mean more of those works. A good father wants his children to go further than he can. Are you saying we can be greater than Jesus? No, but I'm saying we can at least be like him because we are like him. <laughs> that would be a good starting point. I just need a handful of people to believe the gospel and we'll change this city. Jesus turned the world with 12 upside down that became 72, that became 120, that became 3,000. That changed the world. The way we love God and the way we love one another, that we believe that he first loved us so we can love other people. He's given us the spirit of the kingdom. He's given us the spirit of the apostolic that we would bring that world to this one. It's not the ways that seem right to a man. It's the ways that seem right to God. It's the kingdom. Let's not mix those two. Romans 12 verse 3, we'll close with this. It says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Why? So you can prove the will of God. The renewed mind proves who you've become. Without the renewed mind, the mind is at war between this world and the kingdom of light. Hmm. Jesus rebuked Peter for thinking like a mere man. He says, get behind me, Satan. Your mind is set on the things of man, not on the things of God. The mind at war with God is rooted in the demonic. I'm not saying there's demons inside you. I'm saying that the mind set on the things of mere men has a foundation in the mortality of man without God at the center. We must put God at the center. We must put Jesus at the center of our thinking, at the center of our devotion, at the center of our adoration in everything we do. When we work, we, we work unto the Lord. I'm not working for my boss. I'm working unto the Lord. And then my boss benefits because he sees the way that I work. The renewed mind proves the will of God. It proves Christ in you, the hope of glory for humanity. And church, Glory City, or if you're watching this back, whoever you are, I would encourage you, if you don't know the Lord, that you would invite the Lord, this, this, this saviour called Jesus. He's the only way to eternal life. He's the only way to the Father. If you want perfect peace, a peace not of this world, then invite him into your heart. He wants to save your soul and he wants to become Lord of your life, not to rule and reign over you, but so he can... He can be with you in every circumstance of life. I'm, I'm not saying that everything in life will be perfect around you, but the reality within you can be at complete peace. People at work all the time, Liam, how are you so peaceful? Well, let me tell you. And I tell them, 
I have a man. His name's Jesus. His peace is not of this world. So anything going around me, a storm, a chaotic circumstance around me, I can have perfect peace. I have it though. For so long we've read scripture that we believe we don't have it and we have to somehow strive for it rather than just believe that we have it. The credit card's been purchased. It's in my back pocket. I'm going to pull it out. I'm actually going to use it because I'm not just a hero of the word that looks in a mirror and forgets and walks away. I'm actually going to be a doer because I've heard who I am and who he is because as he is, so are we in this world. When we read scripture, we have to read through that lens of context and covenant. Otherwise, we flip it and we start to work out, work for our salvation rather than working out our salvation. Hmm. The renewed mind starts to prove the will of God that he's done inside you. All right, let's pray. Father, I pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, that we would know the hope in which we are called to. I pray for a stirring in our body this morning, in the body of Christ, that your spirit would stir up faith and good works this morning inside of people. I pray that there be a repentance in people, that those that have walked away, that you would convict them of righteousness right now. You would convict them of who they are. I pray that where there's been division in the body, that you would bring unity, because that's your heart to bring unity, that we would be one as you and I are one. I pray that there'd be a spirit of unity right now in the body of Christ, that there wouldn't be a civil war going on over the Bible, that good doctrine would be preached, that good theology would be preached, but there'd also be a unity where we can come together and, and work things out with fear and trembling. I pray that we'd be known by our love for one another not by our differences of opinion for theology. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that, that there would be, a, in these days, people would worship in spirit and in truth. That there'd be a one-two combination of spirit and truth. And those things would come together like never before. There'd be an increase of your kingdom and your apostolic, your sent ones, your, your, your fathering nature would just manifest on planet earth right now. That there are people in such need of a father. That you said you'd be a, a widow. You'd be a father to the widows and a father to the fatherless. Right now, Father, our nation needs a father. Our nation needs a father. God, I thank you for what you're doing. We, we just heard great reports of people coming to the Lord through different ministries uh, with Glory City and, and different other ones. There's just people, young ones coming to the Lord and there's just amazing stuff going on in street peace and uh, different things. And, and week in, week out, we're hearing great testimonies of people coming to Christ. So, Amen. Awesome. Well, love you guys. Have a great week. We're going to do some announcements. We've got a meeting tomorrow um, with our team, with our elders and our core leaders. 
Um, so pray with us, pray for us. We've got a, a, a prayer meeting tonight at four, four o'clock till five. We're just going to pray. We're going to spend some time in prayer. We'll break off into different prayer um, segments um, and, uh, and, and just pray for that. So join us at four o'clock. But otherwise, have a great week. Who's on here? I'm going to see who's on here still. Whoa. Scotty Taran. Awesome. <laughs> Great to see you, Taryn. Replying to Taryn, Jalil wrote this. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, love you guys. Have a great week and uh, we'll see you soon. Bye.